Hello, everyone. This is Stephen Waggis back with LABI, welcoming you to our latest version of Sounds of the Session. And even though we're not in session, it's a session-like atmosphere in many ways. And I am joined here today by um, a very good public servant, very good person and mom, and also a good friend of mine, uh, Courtney Phillips. Uh, Courtney is the Secretary of Health at, in here in Louisiana, and this is not her first rodeo in that, in that position or in this state. Um, previously before that, she was the Secretary of Health in the state of Texas. Um, before that, in the state of Nebraska. So she's got three state, the three-legged stool experience on being a Secretary of Health, so she's got a good, interesting perspective. And then before that, she was here um, also as Undersecretary, I believe, or Assistant Secretary in the Department of Health back in the day. So very well-versed in, in the healthcare um, manner, but also just a, a good Louisiana person at heart. So Courtney, welcome and thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And I'm happy to be back in the best state, finally. Amen. Love that. And someone who moves to Texas and then moves back home, that's always a good pride of honor for people like us here in Louisiana. That's right. There's no place like here. Amen. I love that. Um, and then also, I should have mentioned, Courtney is also a fantastic mom and has always put, uh, put that as well. So I want to give you kudos for that as well. So, okay. So you moved back. How long has it been? Um, I moved back April of last year. April of last year. So let's see. Secretary of Health in about a year and a half here. That seems to be a fairly chaotic era to move and take over a department. So before we get into some of the serious nitty gritty of, of what's going on right now in Louisiana, which we will cover in a second, Let's talk a little bit, just what, what's it been like moving back to a state you love and coming back to a great position, but now doing it in such a complicated and, and stressful era that we're dealing with the COVID-19 vaccine I mean, uh, um, virus? Yeah, so I, I always feel like um, you're placed in a position that you need to be at the right mm -hmm. time in the right season. Um, and so as challenging as it is, I think it was for a reason that I was selected to be in this role at this particular time. So I am thankful for that opportunity. Uh, it has been a challenge. There's no doubt about it. Um, walking in, I think we were in the height of COVID here in our state. We were leading, leading the country in terms of our COVID cases. And here we are again, leading the country in our COVID cases. So this past year between COVID, testing, increasing our vaccination efforts, and the numerous hurricanes um, in our state over the past year, I think the only thing left that we had was the locusts. And we yeah, were we all being prepared for that. And there's no blood red rivers, right? <laughs> yeah, we got that going for us. So Old Testament taken care of, I think, for right now. So that, that's a good thing. Um, so last year, when you first hit the ground here, obviously um, the COVID issue impacted everything, shut down the economy, schools, government, everything. There was a rush to get the vaccine going. Um, people started to reenter. Um, you know, in the last several months, you've had people get back to what they consider to be kind of a normal rhythm. Yet here we go again. Um, you know, just like you in the last week or so, um, I started hearing from a lot of our healthcare members about the severity of what they're seeing at the ground level in hospitals, how this new Delta variant is bringing a new um, issue to their front door. Walk, walk us through a little bit. What are, what are you hearing from the healthcare community in, in the last couple of uh, excuse me, weeks that, that has really raised the attention of you and the administration and everyone? Yeah, I will say even before I get into the healthcare piece, you, you touched upon a, a very good point of how quickly this has happened. Mm -hmm. And so I think at the end of June, early July, we were all like, yes, we're moving closer right. in that process. We're in a good spot. Um, I felt comfortable taking my son um, on vacation. And it was nice to see all of our efforts come into fruition in terms of the success we were seeing in the state. 
July 2nd, when you think about it, the first weekend in July when we're all preparing for Fourth of July weekend and celebrating and ready to enjoy family and friends and things that we hadn't done as much, our hospitalizations were approximately a little over 250 that weekend. When we think about where we are today, we're over 1,900 COVID hospitalizations. And so a very short time frame of how much that has increased, um, almost, I mean, it's a month that you have multiplied that fast with the Delta variant. And so getting to our hospitals and what, where they are and what they're saying, just like the calls you're getting, you know, we're hearing from them, we're doing weekly calls, um, and now we're doing like daily touch-ins in terms of where they are. And they are struggling with staffing. So early on when COVID first happened in the state, we were preparing for capacity, increased beds. Mm-hmm. We opened um, the additional capacity at the Morial Convention Center, had partnered with some hospitals in the event we needed additional beds. But that's really not where we are in terms of bed capacity. Staffing is the issue. And I know many industries are faced and struggling with staffing, but that's particularly problematic in our healthcare setting um, where you don't have enough staff to staff the current beds, much less additional beds that would be needed. And so right now, as of last week, we had 45 hospitals put in a request for additional staffing for us to work with our federal partners to try to get teams on the ground. We do have our federal partners here this week doing assessments of at least seven of the hospitals to try to see what they can provide. But again, many states are in the same situation. So we're going to be competing against other states in terms of what the feds can provide. And so, you know, our hospitals are doing the best they could. Um, What we don't want is for folks not to be able to get the services they need. But the more and more COVID cases that come into play and are presenting an emergency department and ICU capacity, it's a struggle for those other elective services that are needed. Mm -hmm. So as you as you think about what that flow looks like, what that potential spike looks like and the need for more personnel. Is there an expectation of how long, like when we will top out, if you will? Is it, is it unknown? Is there a theory that you all have of like, okay, we're building for a, is it a two-week mission, a four-week mission, a six-week mission? When do we think we will hit a peak to where if you're trying to put a staffing plan together, what is the target you're building for? Unfortunately, that is unknown right now. I mean, some folks are saying August. Some folks are stretching it out all the way to November. So there's various models. And so oh God, it really, don't say that. <laughs> exactly. We don't want it to be right. to then. But there's various models that's out there. And so really those models, it, it's unknown at this point. It mm-hmm. truly is. What we do know is our numbers are creeping up to a, to a point that we're surpassing where we were early on. Mm-hmm. Um, what we also know is that we're not in session with K-12 through and higher ed. So the expectation that those two entities are coming back in the next two weeks, we can expect more cases just because of the nature of them coming back in. And it would be nice to see with the new mass mandate that went into place, mm-hmm. as well as the increased vaccinations that we've seen over this past week, as well as folks being aware of the Delta variant, that hopefully we can see a surge and a drop. Um, if you remember the first time we put in the mass mandate, um, the next couple of weeks we did see a drop in the surge. Was that it about is, a two-week lag yeah. then you saw mm-hmm. that? Okay. All yeah. right. So that is the expectation this go-round. The Delta variant, I think, is a curveball. It, it really is in terms of the viral load and the transmissibility. Um, you know, what, what folks are seeing, and this is new data in terms of how fast it's spreading, but also even for a person who's vaccinated, their ability to spread. So CDC released guidance um, this, this Friday in terms of studies that they've seen in Singapore and a couple of other areas of even if you're fully vaccinated, the ability to spread. And of course, your symptoms is less you know, reduced as well as your risk for hospitalization and death, but you're still able to spread it. Uh, when COVID first happened, we were looking at folks spreading it, if you were positive, to two to three people. Right now, what they're looking at is the potential for five to eight people that a person who's COVID positive is spreading it to. So when we talk about the numbers of where we were in early July till now, we can see why it's spreading so fast with this new Delta variant. So it's really important that we really look at vaccination. Um, and so if you're not vaccinated yet, we encourage you to do so. 
We have more than 1,300 sites in our state that are offering vaccinations. So to all the employers and entities who have stepped up and say, hey, we have a site and we're available, we're open, we're ready, we appreciate the work that they have done. Um, and as well as the communication around it, I think, is important. And so I think with the vaccination efforts increasing as well as the masking, we really can get on top of this. Um, you know, we're Louisiana. That's who we are and that's what we do. We are resilient. Unfortunately, we have to prove it time and time again, no matter what. It'd be nice to stop having to prove it all the time. But we, Fair but, enough. <laughs> but we are a resilient crew, I would tell you that. And, you know, um, uh, I am vaccinated. My wife's vaccinated. My children, well, mo- two of, one of my ch- children are vaccinated. The other one's getting this week. I, I also would agree. I would urge folks to go out, if you get, either get vaccinated or if you have questions, go ahead and ask your doctor. Ask them for questions. They can clear that up for you and, and get the truth. But it's so important that we get that vaccination rate up because we want every kid to go to school. We want every business to stay open. The last thing that this state can afford right now is another shutdown for school, schools to be closed back down because, man, that should, the, the, the ripple effects would be, would be traumatic on that. So it is important to get vaccinated. And for those listening, if it does sound a little muffled on our podcast, this is our, our first masked podcast. And so we are speaking through mask. And so um, I hope it doesn't uh, interfere with the sound uh, back at home. So let's go back with the cases real quick. Uh, we talk about the cases spike here in Louisiana. Um, some may say, what, do you, what, what does that look like? Is it, are people dying? Are, they, um, are the symptoms minor? Because it came on so quick, because 10 days ago, people were on vacation, not even thinking about this, what can you tell folks about what do those cases look like in these hospitals? Yeah, so let me, I'll just, just for a quick overview in terms of where our case numbers are. And so as of July 31st, we um, announced 11,109 new cases for a total of 552,787 cases in Louisiana. So just a tremendous amount over the weekend in terms of cases. Um, We also know that we're seeing our increase in testing. Our testing volume had dropped in the last couple of months throughout the state um, because we were doing better, and so folks kind of dropped a little bit in that testing. We do see that increasing tremendously, and it's important. So if folks feel like they've been around somebody who's positive or if they have some light symptoms, we do encourage them to get tested so that way they can quarantine and reduce the spread. So now, it really now where do they go get tested, though? Because if we're trying to encourage folks not to go overrun hospitals, or is, do they go to the local clinic? Do they, is there a number they call, a website they go to? How yes. do they do that? Thank you for bringing that up. So the best place um, for folks to call is 211, and they will direct them to every part of the state where we have testing available. If they let them know what area they're in, they will let them know the closest site, the times available, and help them assist with getting there. Okay. Um, So just in terms of our hospitalizations, as mentioned, um, they continue to increase. Uh, We um, announced an increase of 244 cases to 1,984 cases um, since Friday. Now, in terms of what does that look like in the hospital setting, 90% of that 1,984 cases are individuals who are unvaccinated. Okay. So again, I'm going to say that just one more time because I think that's a key message. 90% of the folks who are hospitalized that are COVID positive are unvaccinated. And so the ability to protect yourselves, your loved ones, individuals with underlying conditions, as well as my child and your children who are unable to get vaccinated, this is the best thing that we can do to protect them. And so again, we see over and over individuals that are vaccinated have a better level of protection than those are unvaccinated. The data is within itself. Yeah, we are also hearing that from our healthcare partners, uh, and you know that is the good news. You know, uh, some folks may hear that, hey, vaccinated people are, are catching this again. It didn't work. Well, if if vaccination s- severely diminishes the type of side effects you have, 
that is a success story and why it does help keep uh, keep us uh, healthy, no doubt. Um, you know, obviously, there's human nature to all of this, right? Um, there's a lot of folks that I know you hear from, I hear from them as well. They're like, well, wait a minute. Last year, we did all this stuff. We we wore our masks. We went got our vaccines, and here we are again. Well, maybe none of this was working. None of this was worth it. It wasn't worth doing. You know, what, what do you say to, to the folks who need that confidence boost in the information that they're being told, the data they're being told? Because, you know, we hear it as well as you do. Um, you know, we have the, the, we're privy to hearing firsthand from these hospital leaders and, and, and hearing their stories so we can see it. What is the best way to kind of convince folks that, you know, there is some, uh, a real impact here that they need to take seriously? Yeah, so I think it's important for folks to recognize, and it is a struggle. You know, we say mask, then if you're vaccinated, you yeah. no longer have to mask. And then here we are again today saying we need you to mask up again, even if you've been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's important for us to be able to communicate why we're doing that, the data around it, and what what they're looking at to see that. And so I mentioned the CDC study that came out Friday um, that showed individuals who are vaccinated can transmit uh, the virus, which is important for folks to know because that's why we see it spreading so much um, and why we know that the, the mask can help to curb some of that. I think the other piece to recognize is when we talk again about the hospitalizations and the unvaccinated versus vaccinated, you just mentioned in terms of reduced symptoms. Um, it's important for folks to recognize that and for us to share that information uh, with individuals in terms of the risk, the level of symptoms that is being experienced between those that are vaccinated and unvaccinated. And so, yes, um, I get plenty of calls in terms of I was going to get vaccinated, but now I know people who are fully vaccinated and now COVID positive. Does that mean the vaccine doesn't work? That absolutely does not mean the vaccine does not work. Um, I think when the vaccine came out, they talked about the numbers, the 94, 95% efficacy. No vaccine is 100%. And I think we forget that just because of the nature of what we're Mm -hmm. in in COVID. No vaccine is 100%. These are some of the most effective vaccines that have been produced. Um, And so it really is a level of protection against a higher uh, rate of severe illness and death. Um, And we see that with the numbers in terms of those unvaccinated and the impact that it's having on the system. The other piece is we are a very low vaccinated state. So when we compare ourselves to other states that have a higher percentage of vaccinated individuals, they're doing a lot better than we are. And so the more and more we can get Louisianans vaccinated, then we're protecting all of us. Um, and so I think that's the effort that we really have to focus on. And, you know, I think I saw somewhere on, on social media today, and I hate to timestamp this thing, but I think we're first time over 2 million vaccinated. Um, a week and a half ago, I guess we were like 39, 40%. Do you know what our latest numbers are, of what our vaccination percentages are? We're going are? to be running them this afternoon, but we were about 43% in terms of that initiated. So we still have a ways to go, but we have seen a tremendous increase of demand for the vaccine. So just for, for example, our providers who order vaccine in the last couple of weeks, it's ranged from 17,000 to 25,000 of vaccine orders. And that, that was pretty low. It dropped mm-hmm. off. This week, we have about an order between 80 and 90,000 that our vaccine providers have put in play. Um, and I think we have a great strategy in our state when we rolled it out. Um, we didn't just limit it to mass vac events. We placed it at any community clinic, um, our independent and our chain pharmacies. Uh, shout out to them for being willing to make sure that they had vaccines available so you could have it in every community. We've done numerous mobile sites across the state, our FQHCs, our primary care, our hospitals. So we wanted to make sure that vaccine was available in every community so folks didn't have to go for it. So it wouldn't be a barrier for them to have access to it. And I think that served us well. And I think it's going to serve us well again as the demand is increasing. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And, you know, I'll give a shout out to um, lobby member T.J. Woodard and Prescriptions to Go. That's where I got mine. It was a very easy, easy process. My wife and I went there and my my son will be there uh, this, this week as well to get to get his next shot. 
you know, another piece that when I, when I talk to folks about the importance of at least talking to your doctor about the vaccine and, and trying to get that, that up is to say, look, if, if, if the motivation is nothing else, it's just to, to build that immunity so we don't have further restrictions on, on the economic front. Because the truth is, you know, everyone's trying to you know, get back in, into um, their, their typical life right now. The governor's order that came out this week, it did talk about masks, but it did not put spacing restrictions on restaurants and other retail. It did not put capacity limitations. Um, we urge everyone, please go local. Uh, visit your local stores, your local restaurants. Um, when you walk in, you know, if you have your mask on, you see the tables will look just like they were the other week. And so that's important for our businesses to be able to build back after such a rough year they've had. And I know we've heard that from a lot of our restaurants. And so um, I think it's a good development that the order did not uh, implement any of those. And it's our hope that that stays that way. So can I come? So we, we absolutely do not want to impact our economic development in the state. I, I, we know it was hard for folks last year, mm-hmm. um, for families, for business communities, uh, and for the state overall and the economy. And so we ask folks to help us with this effort. Um, we do think that masking would assist us. Um, we know that the vaccine efforts would help. Um, I, you know, even the mask mandate, I'm sh- that was a tough decision for the governor to look sure. at and make, but the data was there. And so it's what were some of the, the least restrictive mitigation efforts that we could put in place that wouldn't impact our businesses and our schools? I mean, at the end of the day, those are the main things that we want to be able to keep open, our schools and our businesses. And so what can we all do as Louisianans to make that happen? And I think, you know, reaching out to folks who are not vaccinated, we all know one or two individuals who are not vaccinated. And so how do we put an intentional effort to have that conversation? And it's okay if folks have questions. It really is. You might have to have four or five conversations with that one person. You might have to connect them to a medical professional that you know to have that conversation. And that's okay. Um, We just have to do it. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought up schools as well because it's so important to get our kids back into that classroom. Uh, We know that there's been some learning loss and um, for them to be able to go back. And I know it's important for my kids and probably is for yours as well. So um, that is also a critical component. So let, once again, let's go through if a if a business wants information on how to bring testing to their site or even vaccinations to their site. If someone's thinking about the vaccine, but they have questions, they're not sure, they want to they want to find more data. What are some resources that you would recommend these folks go to to kind of get educated uh, come up to speed so they can get the information they need to make the, make the right decision for them and their family and their business. Yeah, so in terms of businesses, one thing that we will do is we will send you all the number and okay. the email address yeah. for any business who wants to get vaccinations on site. Okay. Um, we will work with them to get a strike team out there and to get some vaccinations going, um, as well as providing education. So if they want to do an educational session and actually do vaccine administration, we will make that happen. So we'll make sure we'll get you all the information. In terms of the general public, um, if they are trying to schedule uh, a vaccine or if they have questions and want to talk to a medical professional and they don't have a primary care physician, um, they can call 1-855-453-0774. And again, that number is 1-855-453-0774. And one of the professionals there will help them to set up an appointment in their local community. But also, again, if they have questions and they want to talk to a medical professional, they will be connected via that line. That's awesome. And we'll send all that information, anything else you send us out to our membership and put it on our website so we can have it there as a resource for folks. I think everyone wants the same end result here. Um, people fought hard over last year to kind of, you know, piece their life and their business and their routine back together. They've enjoyed getting it back. I know you have as well as much as I have. 
and we don't want to see that knocked off kilter right now. So I think if we all work together, we can go back to school, we can get back to work, we can even have a good old-fashioned football season as well and get this done. So I want to thank you for coming in today, but more importantly, thank you for coming back home to Louisiana. I know you uh, you got distracted in Nebraska and Texas for a little while, but um, <laughs> I'm so glad you came back home because uh, Louisiana is glad to have you back here. I'm glad to be back home. I love Louisiana. No where where like did you grow up? Did you grow up around here? I'm or? from Plaquemines Parish from Port Salford. There you go. That's right, down on the bayou. So you got family down there? Absolutely. Oh, really? I'm Born fine. and raised. They're down there. <laughs> the fishermen, the refinerymen, they're there. That's jobs. That's jobs we want to keep. I love to hear it. So, all right, Courtney Phillips, Secretary of Health here in Louisiana, an all-around good person and full, chock full of information, as you can tell by this. Um, we'll be sending out all the information that you heard here today and we'll put it on our website. And if you have any other questions, one more time, what's the phone number to, to call? It's one 453 0774. And before we wrap up, I do want to thank Lobby for y'all's work, y'all's efforts for always getting um, information out to your members, but to the business community as a whole. Thank you all for, you know, being with us in this. Um, we cannot do it alone. Together, we will bring Louisiana all the way back. Um, and I just appreciate the support and the partnership. Amen. Sounds good. All right. You've been listening to the latest version of Sounds of the Session. Um, tune in next time when we bring in another uh, influential leader here in Louisiana making a difference in the world today. So thanks for listening.